this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Well, I have been so looking forward to this fierce series, not necessarily because I knew where it was going to go. (laughs) I want to be clear about that. I feel like I still don't quite know everything that God's going to unpack for us in this series yet. Uh, But God sort of has me in this odd season of more fully relying on him than ever. Uh, And I'm just so excited to see what he's going to do because I think it's not just me. I think it's a lot of us right now. He, He is already moving. You heard PJ's testimony just a little bit ago, he he got baptized in the Holy Spirit two weeks ago, felt empowered to go out and begin praying over our towns and the people that they encountered on the streets and even led someone to Jesus. I want more of that. I want to see more of us challenging ourselves, stepping out of our comfort zone a little bit, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and going out and preaching Jesus powerfully. I think that's the season God has us in right now. We've also seen these backyard baptisms happening and dreams and visions coming out of some of you. Testimonies being given and others feeling the same urgency to know more, to dig deeper, to allow Jesus in a little further. I think God is doing something incredibly unique in us right now and That's the spiritual reason behind us not meeting in person right now, today. God is doing something new in us. I know it sounds counterproductive, but the ways in which I've seen people growing in this season is, it's just unprecedented. Never felt or seen anything like this before. It's something that I could not have done. I didn't do this. There's no church programming or structured growth or systems and structures that could have done this. It's Jesus. It's only Jesus. And I think that's what fierce is all about. We have to get fierce about the gospel and nothing but the gospel. We have to shave off all the other edges, the other things that want to creep up and sort of crowd out the gospel message, even in our own lives. I'm not talking about spreading it even, but just in our own souls, there are other things that creep up. The other things we think Christianity is about. It's just fiercely focusing on Jesus. I don't think it's any coincidence that God had us go through a bragging right sermon series right before getting here. Like I've said before, fierce was a word God gave me back in January. I thought it was just for me, but it's taken until August of this year to really, truly understand what God was trying to teach me, and and it's not just for me. He's been leading us this whole year to this moment. Bragging rights was about persecution. Tough times the church had to go through in its early years, and although this season I don't think is specifically about persecuting the church, at times it has felt like our way of life, our, our way of worshiping was under attack. There are so many of you that would rather be here in the room with us today. I know that. I'm more pouting a little bit that we aren't, but persecution didn't hurt the gospel back in the in the early church days, and whatever we're going through right now is it's not hurting the gospel either. You cannot 
hurt the gospel message. I think it's the very reason for this renewed sense of, of passion and urgency in God's people right now. We just have to get our priorities straight. We have to fiercely focus on the right things. And we're going to the book of Philippians this morning. And it's funny how God leads us in the, these bridges from bragging rights to fierce in this arching theme. This is a letter from Paul written from prison. <laughs> and he says a few things about that. In Philippians 1, verse 12, it says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. And you don't see him pouting in a corner about being in prison. He's celebrating and rejoicing because it has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. This is Paul caring about even his enemies. The palace guard, the ones that are keeping him under lock and key, he's celebrating because they're the ones that are getting to know the good news about Jesus. Verse 14 says, And because of my imprisonment, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear seem a little backward to you? <laughs> like, uh, I, I, if it were me, I would think that if somebody else was in jail for preaching the gospel, maybe I should shut up a little bit, right? Because I'm not trying to go to prison too. Uh, maybe I should be more quiet, but no, that's just not how human nature works, is it? That's not how the Holy Spirit empowerment works, certainly. Right? When we see some of someone else, one of our people in chains and in prison because of the gospel, willingly, willingly, he laid down his life so someone else could hear about the gospel. And I'm going to, what, sit in my house and, and cry out in fear? I'm, I'm going to shut up because he could do it. Of course I can do it. Like when you put it that way, I've got to say something, right? I have to follow that example. I have to speak out when no one else is. God works all things together for good and for his glory. All things. All things. Imprisonment. All things. Paul was happy to be in prison if it meant more of the gospel was out there being preached. Completely willing to give up all of his freedoms so that other people could get spiritually free. I mean, that kind of faith is fierce. That kind of faith is, it's what I want. I want to have that kind of fierce faith that solely focuses on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, with everything that I have been through in the past three years, I know that God works things together for his good and for my good now. I, I think I used to believe that before, but I know it now. You know what I mean? It, it's a, a deep experiential knowledge. I've experienced it, so I know it's true now. So am I worried about us as Christians right now? A little separated, a little distanced? No. I believe God is working it all together for his good. Do I like it? No. I don't like it. I don't think Paul liked sitting in prison necessarily, but he knows that God works all things together for his good. He has got a plan. He's got a plan. I have to trust him in that. I want that fierceness for God. I want the, that boldness. I want that 
prayer life and that connection to God's spirit. I feel it at some points, right? Sometimes I feel it when I'm here in the room and I'm worshiping. I want that all of the time. That, that closeness other people seem to have, right? We think sometimes everybody else is hearing from God. Well, why not me? How do we get there? Paul gives us a couple of things later on in Philippians. Philippians 3, actually, verse 5 is where we're going to go in just a minute. I want to read you this portion today. Paul gives us a couple of insights into how he maintains this fierce laser focus on Jesus. So Philippians 3, verse 5, let's start reading. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am pure-blooded, a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. This is back to bragging rights. He's listing his credentials as a true religious Jewish man right now. This is what qualifies me to speak on behalf of the Jews, right? I was so zealous. Oh, I skipped a verse. Pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable. I once thought all of my religious qualifications were valuable. But now I consider them worthless. Worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. You ever said those words to God? I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. We must hold on. I read this passage this week, and it just leapt off the page. This is how Paul did it. He's breaking down for us exactly how he maintained a fierce Faith, even in the harsh, harshest, the harsh persecution that he was under. He maintained it. How? How? I have been defining fierce these past two weeks in my own mind by the following definition. 
menacingly wild in our evangelism. Menacingly wild in our evangelism. Menacingly wild. That that definition is is chosen from what fierce actually means from dictionary.com, right? Menacingly wild in our evangelism. That means menacing to the enemy. That means dangerous to the enemy. It's wild in that it goes outside of our comfort zones, right? It pushes us beyond what we think we're capable of, stretches us, empowers us to go out menacingly wild in our evangelism. It means taking risks to preach Jesus, taking risks with our own family and friends, risking their respect or their admiration or or maybe even their friendship sometimes. Not in a weird way, not in a pushy way, but in a way that, uh, that challenges us and invites them to something better. Menacingly wild in our evangelism. Too savage in our love and forgiveness. Savage. Savage is not usually paired with love and forgiveness. They're not words that usually go together, are they? It's savage in our love and forgiveness. Savage toward ourselves. Toward our own selfish nature that wants to pull us out of love and out of forgiveness. Savage with those pieces of ourselves that want to stand up for our own rights and our our own freedoms and our own uh, things that we think we deserve in relationships. Savage in our love and forgiveness. Not counting our own progress as, as something we hold on to, but looking out for the interests of others. Savage in our love and forgiveness. Three, hostile toward religious spirits that oppose the gospel. And we're going to get into this a little bit more today, but we we tend to build up these other walls, these other fences around the gospel. These other things we think we have to do to maintain our Christianity. Right? We, we Like Paul, we have these credentials. I've been a Christian for this long, and, I, and I've, I've done this, this, and this, and I've never missed a church weekend, and I, I'm a Christian. That's Those are the things that make me a Christian. Some of those things are just religious spirits. They want us to qualify for something that God has given us as a gift. We have to be hostile in our own spirits toward those religious spirits that oppose the grace freedom of the gospel. And number four, furiously eager to see new souls saved. Furiously eager. That's the hunger that PJ was talking about earlier, that hunger towards seeing new people come to know Jesus. Once you've seen one, it's an addicting experience. You see the walls fall down and the, the chains fall off. You want that for more people. Freedom, hope for the future, understanding who created them and the purpose that's been placed within them. Furiously eager to see new souls saved. This is what fierce has come to mean for me. Fiercely focused on the gospel in my own soul and the gospel for others. And I think Paul gives us a couple of pointers here about how to go about this. First of all, he says religion and pride are worthless. Worthless. They mean nothing 
He said that he counts them as garbage compared with Christ Jesus and the relationship with him. Worthless. But to become fierce believers and evangelists like Paul was, we're going to have to get fierce about what we believe in and what we don't. And what we don't. There is no room for religion in a relationship with Jesus. It's just no room for it. I was reminded last night as I was praying through this, a message I delivered a while ago now, but it was called Stop Repairing the Veil. And it struck me as I was reading through the Gospels all over again lately. When Jesus died on that cross, he tore the veil, right? He, he died hanging on the cross for our sins and, and the earth got dark and earthquake happened and that veil that stood between people, humanity, people that went to the temple and God's presence. That veil that stood outside the Holy of Holies and separated God the Creator from His creation. It was torn in two when Jesus died. It was torn in two, ripped down the middle. And this was not a veil as we think about them today. It wasn't a thin, flimsy piece of lace. It was a thick blanket of a thing. It was extremely thick. God Himself ripped that thing. Let His presence out to live within us. This Holy Spirit was able to come after that. And what's heartbreaking is that people went and repaired it. They put that veil, that wall, back up. God himself wanted to be with them, and they repaired the veil. We do this constantly. We put up walls between us and God. We don't allow him in further. We'd rather jump through the hoops of religion than let him in to our soul to change us from the inside out. Now, I'm not talking about routine and and spiritual disciplines. Those are, are something else. I'm talking about the religion that we think we have to live up to. The religion that caused PJ to think a pastor was gonna send him out of the church. Right? The, when, we, when we come into the church doors, we think we're going to light on fire or something. That's religion. It's not understanding that God has given us grace, freedom, that he wants to forgive us, that all we have to do is ask. These are the routines and the disciplines that keep us on the right track, that keep us functioning within the grace of Jesus. Jesus only built in a couple of those to Christianity. Just a couple pieces of ceremony and routine in our relationship with him. But he fulfilled the law. He came to complete that chapter of, of human relationship with our creator and give us something new. That there is no emptiness in the things that we do for Jesus. But there is an emptiness in religion. You you cannot do the things that we do for Jesus without the belief behind it. And you cannot just believe and do nothing with it either. That's not faith. I was explaining to Bold and Brave the other day. I, I don't know why now, but something clicked in my brain lately about the actual substance of faith. Now, I get asked a lot, you know, especially by new believers, what even is faith? Right? Like, like, how do I have more of it? How is it different than like hope or belief? Like, 
what actually is faith. And I sometimes will struggle to define it. I give them the biblical definitions and all of that. It does feel like this sort of mysterious thing sometimes. And I think new believers sometimes like are, they're grasping at it like, like magic or something. Like what actually is it? But it finally clicked the other day that faith is sort of like an equation. It's not one thing. It's two different things. It's actually belief that God is God, belief that he is real and that he is good. It's that belief, underlying belief, but it's also obedience, action, doing something with that belief. But you can't have just one or the other. Instead, it's like an equation. Belief plus obedience equals faith. You can't take the belief out of it, just go through the motions, doing the actions, doing the obedience, showing up at church, but nothing's behind it. That's not faith without the belief. But you also can't take the obedience out of the equation and just have belief. I believe that tithing is good. Okay, but are you doing it? Because <laughs> that proves you actually don't have faith in the practice of tithing or in God himself as your provider if you're not actually doing it, right? Belief plus obedience equals faith. You can't have faith that is only belief and you cannot have faith that is only action. Faith is both. Both. Working together. And this is why faith is built rather than just mustered. Rather than you just have more of it. You just tell yourself to have more of it and you have more of it. Sometimes we have more belief than obedience and it's a little out of whack. We have to step out in obedience and the faith is built over time. Or sometimes, you know, the opposite. We have to step out in obedience and the belief, the passion comes behind it. Sometimes we have obedience, that, that routine built into our lives, going to church on Sunday, giving to people. But when there's no belief behind it, it's just going through the motions. Faith is both. Religion skews things sometimes. It, it, it's so easily turned into one or the other. So easily turned into just obedience. So easily turned into just belief. How many non-practicing Catholics have you met? Or non-practicing Jews. Even there's non-practicing Christians out there too. But it's, it's a paradox. It doesn't make sense. You can't be a non-practicing Christian. That's not faith. And, and Paul here says, all of that is worthless compared to a relationship with Christ. Because Jesus taught us how to have both. Belief plus obedience is faith. Paul counted everything else as garbage compared with knowing that kind of faith. Paul was our, our greatest example of saying, take the world, literally, take it, take all of it, but give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I, I want faith like that. I think a lot of us want faith like that, but we're not actually ready to step into it. I think most of us could go a week without our Bibles and prayer time a lot easier than we could go a week without Netflix or the news. Your screen didn't freeze. I'm just going to give you a second to, to think about that one. Right? We're not desperate and hungry for the word like we are for entertaining ourselves. A lot of us could go a week without our Bibles and prayer time a lot easier. And we could go without our TVs 
I think a lot of us care way more about the opinions of the people they work with or live with than God's opinion. I think like the rich young ruler, if Jesus himself showed up at your doorstep and asked you to sell everything, give it all to the poor and come follow him, we'd walk away sad and a little angry that Jesus would dare to ask for so much. I think we'd walk away. I think a lot of us are are fair weather fans of Jesus, not actual followers. And I think it's time to get fierce with those pieces of ourselves, those pieces of selfishness we're still hanging on to that are getting in the way of fully following Jesus. My biggest fear with this series is that people would walk away thinking that it's time to get fierce with the world, with people, that we have to to go out and be warriors against this world for Jesus, that that there's walls between us and the world that that we have to keep putting up, that we can't allow the world in, that, that we have to keep defining what we are against to people. That's not what this series is. It's not about harshness and rudeness. That's that's not fierce. It's not ear-cutting time like Peter thought either. It's time to get fierce with ourselves. Fierce with pride and spirits of religion that want to rise up within us and call everyone else unworthy and unholy and and, and not worthy of, of what Jesus has done for us because they're not living right. We're not living right. That's what it's time to get fierce with, the, the selfishness within ourselves. Let's get fierce with that. It's time to stop taking solace in, in our accomplishments, in our, you know, Bible degrees or knowledge or, or perfect church attendance for the year. And it's time to start challenging ourselves, just as Jesus would. Time to get fierce with that selfishness we've allowed to fester in our souls for far too long. The, the excuses, the defenses we tell ourselves so that we can keep on hurting the people around us, the lies that we believe about ourselves. And we do that, as Paul says here, Philippians 3, we do that by focusing on one thing. He said, one thing, forget what's behind and pressing on towards what is ahead. God is always doing a new thing. He's productive. He's always moving. He doesn't go back. He invents. He he creates. He moves ahead. It's time to get fierce with ourselves, and we have to be able to hear from God for ourselves, not regurgitated through someone else, for ourselves, sitting with the Holy Spirit and hearing from Him directly about what's going on right now in our world. Paul wouldn't have made it pressing on, finishing the race. He would not have made it if he had focused on the past. Paul was a Christian killer. Imagine the pain of that once becoming one yourself. The shame and regret that he would have drowned in. We often forget that Bible characters are are humans too. That they have a past, too, and yet they accomplished so much for God. And Paul finished his race well. He ran his race well, and he did that by not looking back and allowing himself to drown in the shame and regret of what he's done. He can't do it either. 
You cannot continue to look back. Stop allowing your, your past mistakes, your regrets, your failures, or worse, someone else's failures, pain, and sin to keep you bound. When Jesus went through so much to see you free, let him work in you. We, we have to keep pressing onward. We have to keep moving ahead. God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever, but we are experiencing his plan in time. We have to keep moving forward into what he has for us. We have to keep following Jesus. Jesus was always moving forward, always moving toward that cross, always challenging himself to obey his father. And it's for that reason that we're going to start getting actually fierce with ourselves. We're going to start a fast together as a church. I'm calling it the fierce fast. And it is going to be a challenge. Most corporate fasts that, that we've done together in the past have been like, fast whatever you want, do, you know, social media or Netflix or chocolates or, you know, sweets, fast, something like that. I'm sorry, those fasts are great. They're fine. They're good. You'll learn something from them. But I have never learned as much from a fast as I have from a food fast. It's one of the more challenging ones that you can do, and that is what I am openly, unashamedly challenging us to do together as a church. There's a bit of a unique plan, and I would invite you to go to effie.church slash fierce fast to get all of the information and to sign up and let us know you're going to participate. But it's going to work sort of like a 24-hour prayer vigil where everybody takes an hour. Have you heard of those? And we have the whole thing covered. So this is a 14-day fast. I'm not asking you to fast the whole thing. One person has signed up already to fast the entire 14 days. But take a day or two or three. Challenge yourself to fast for more than than just chocolates or sweets. Challenge yourself to really see the difference between who you are physically, what this flesh wants, what this selfish nature wants, and who you are spiritually. That your soul, your spirit is in charge. That you can differentiate between those two things. That your body doesn't have to be in charge anymore. You, You gain some control back over your spirit mind and soul when you fast. But fast from food. Fast from food. Now, already since I've started talking about this, I've gotten lots of questions. How do you actually fast? What does that mean? Fasting will help you in so many ways. It'll help you get control of the selfishness a little. To differentiate, like I said, between spirit you and body you. It'll help you know that your soul is in charge and not your body. But it also opens you up to, to seeing God in a whole new way. Helps you understand who God is. And I don't know what it is about a little bit of suffering <laughs> that helps you see God differently. But it's almost like the the blessings that he gives us, you know, the the series that we did last year called The Couch Potato, right, where we focused on sitting on this couch of God's blessings, and we sort of get fat spiritually on that couch and and a little bit lazy, and when we back into the blessings that God has for us, I'm calling us off the couch right now again 
I'm calling us to get active in the Word, to use the spiritual disciplines that Jesus himself modeled for us. He went on a 40-day fast before his ministry even began. If he can do it, we can do it. I'm not challenging you to all 40 days, right? But one day, two days, take some time to fast and to pray so God can speak clearly, so you can hear his voice in a whole nother way. Right? When we are at our most vulnerable, God speaks differently. When we're a little cranky, a little hangry, <laughs> right? uh, when we're a little broken down and beat up, God speaks in those places. I don't always know why it works. I just know that it does. God wants to speak to you. Maybe remind you a little bit of how fragile we are as human beings, how much we have to rely on God. Well-fed people think differently than hungry ones. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves what that's like. We have to be grateful for even the little things like food in our bellies and roofs over our heads. He can speak so clearly in those places. And besides all that, we can't be fully effective believers and evangelists in our world without fasting. Like there's a story in Mark 9 where the disciples are brought a boy to cast a spirit out, and they can't do it, not even using the name of Jesus. And afterward, they, they pulled Jesus aside and said, why couldn't we do it? And you could. What, what was different? And Jesus says, this kind is only cast out through prayer, and some versions say fasting. But I actually looked up the original word for prayer there because I wondered why do some versions leave out fasting? And the word is actually earnest prayer. There's a deep prayer to it. It's not just, you know, waking up and, and casually, God, help me today, uh, get me through this day, like bless my day, It's it, all these things. It's earnestly seeking the presence and the face of God. Letting him know you want to go a little deeper by fasting, that you're willing to give up the things of this world, the comforts in this world, to pursue everything that he has for us. Fasting can just be one day of, of skipping meals and using that time to, to focus on God. The, the time that you would spend sitting down and eating. Instead, going to a, a room in your house, getting alone, opening your Bible and just saying, God, what do you have for me? Or maybe it's every time you feel that hunger, you know, it, it, you use it as a trigger. Instead of saying, oh, I need to go to the fridge, it, it's, oh, I need to focus in on who you are, God. I need to fiercely focus myself on you. What do you have for me, God? What's my purpose on this earth? What can I do to further your kingdom? What is the Holy Spirit saying to me today? So, will you fast with me? Over the next 14 days, I'm kicking it off with some elders and staff and partners today who have gotten a little heads up on this before today. We're fasting together today. And you can start now or you can sign up for another day over the next 14 days. Go to fe.church slash fierce fast to get all of that information. But over this time, I want you to be asking God questions. 
If there's one thing I think I've modeled for you really well, talked about a lot over the past couple of years, is asking questions. Wrestle with the word. Don't just read it and it's in one ear and out the other, but really wrestle with it. Meditate on it. Ask God the tough questions. Allow it in beyond the excuses, past the the walls that we put up. Allow it deep down into your soul. Ask him what fierce is going to mean for you. Ask him how you can serve him. Ask him what his purposes and plans for your life are. And I think it's especially powerful right now because I don't have the answers to just hand you. Usually at this point of the sermon, I would say, sign up for the media team. Sign up for the kids' ministry team. We have so many opportunities around here for you to serve. What about when those aren't there? (laughs) You have to serve in other ways. To evangelize. To go out into the world and preach the gospel. What does that look like for you? Ask Jesus. Who is ready in my life? Who's ready to receive Jesus right now? And how can I help? Because ultimately, fierce is about Jesus. This sermon series is about Jesus Christ and what he can do inside of us and what he can do in others through you. What can Jesus accomplish in your life? It really is that simple. We have to be fierce enough to focus on that and only that because this world has so many distractions so many temptations so many pitfalls that make our paths straight God help us focus on you more than ever before Jesus help us fiercely hold on to you only you. Help us let go of everything else. Let go of the the distractions, the temptations, the entertainments, the selfishness deep down within us. And like the song we sang earlier says, nothing else. Nothing else but you. Let us soak in your presence. Fill up with it. Allow it to change us from the inside out. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit in our, our living rooms, in our kitchens, in our bedrooms right now, ready to receive and to go out and be witnesses to what we have seen and heard and experienced, to tell the world that God is real, God is good, and he loves us so much he sent his son. So much he sent his son. Today, if you're watching this and you've never given your life to Jesus you didn't understand before all the pieces of that that God is real God is good and he loves you so much but today you're willing to accept those truths willing to accept that there is nothing that you could have done in your past that would exclude you from God's grace nothing that would exempt you from God's forgiveness through Christ Jesus That there aren't going to be flames that erupt when you walk through the doors. That the pastor's not going to kick you out. Jesus himself is not going to kick you out. He was the only human being on planet earth qualified to judge you. And he chose to put himself on the cross for you. He chose to forgive you. 
love you, pull you into a relationship with his and our Heavenly Father. Accept that today. It's never been easier since Jesus. He made a way where there was no way. He laid down his life so that all we have to do is say, God, I believe in you. I believe you sent your son to die for me, and I accept that forgiveness in my life today. I'm going to choose to live his way from today on. Make Jesus the Lord of my life today. I want that. If that's you and you want to pray that prayer, or you you have, just as I was saying it right now, go to fe.church slash I am in. I am in. We want to give you resources to help with that. There's a Bible plan on there, first steps for new believers that will explain the decision that you just made and help you move forward in the word, building a solid foundation with Jesus Christ. We'd love to reach out to you as well. There's a place you can sign up on there. Let us know that you've made that decision today so we can reach out and help you along with that. We'd love to encourage you in that decision. Today, maybe you've made that decision already. Maybe you're a faithful follower of Jesus. You're faithful at Freedom Valley. And you have some other decisions to make today. Are you willing to get fierce with yourself? Fierce with your selfish nature. Give it all to Jesus. Give it all up. I know it seems so hard at first. It's, it's like the, the jump to just starting to work out. Like it seems like so much work. But once you do it, you feel good. Right? You get healthy. The tithing is like that too. So many of the disciplines that Jesus asked of us, that the word asks of us are, are so like that. They look so hard at first. It's such a big jump. It's so healthy and good after you get there. Give up all the, the selfishness. Selfishness is just another word for sin. Things that come between you and God and you and other people. Give it all up. Get fierce within your own soul. Allow the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do and bring forth the spiritual fruit from your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He can do that in your life. All you have to do is let him in. God, help us get fierce with ourselves. Help us get fierce with this fast that we would, each and every one of us, be motivated to do something more. Maybe it's something we've never done before. Or or we're veterans of fasting. We've been doing it for years and years. God, teach each and every one of us something through this, something new. You're always doing a new thing in our lives. Help us tap into that and get fierce within our own souls. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The next step to take with this one is going to be a little bit different for everyone. Sign up for the fast. Tell someone you're in. Challenge yourself. I was in prayer this morning about what I could challenge individuals about at the end. What would be something maybe someone else needs to hear, the right thing for someone who who can't find their peace in all of the opportunities Candace said. Um, God laid on my heart, will you open your home? 
I know there's a lot of individuals that are frustrated, maybe, that they can't be in the room because they just like the social worship. I want to encourage you. Would you consider inviting a friend to your house next week to watch week two of Fierce, to worship with you in your living room? Make some pancakes, invite them over for brunch, make a little hollandaise sauce, whatever it takes, right? That's fierce, faith lived out. It might be scary to say, will you come to my house and watch church with me? But let me tell you, if you do that, you will be doing church next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I-N-N. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. Nothing else. Nothing.
Josh's testimony and his story. And I really wanted PJ to come and share his story with you as well this morning. Acts 1.8 says that the Holy Spirit will come and give us power to be witnesses in our world. And that really sums up PJ's story, I think. So PJ, tell us just a little bit. Take us back. What was life like before Jesus? How did you come to know him? Well, I came to know Jesus when I was about eight, and uh, it was pretty much just like a get-out-of-hell-free card, and uh, went to youth group a lot, went to church growing up, but I just, you know, felt this overwhelming fear that I wasn't good enough, you know, that, that, that I wasn't good enough for God. I loved Him, but He didn't love me, you know, and uh, that I was going to go to church one day, and a pastor was going to point me out, telling me to get out, because I'm just not worthy enough, and uh, so I left the church. And uh, I started drinking about 21, started partying because I was like, if I'm going to if I'm going to go to hell, I might as well have fun. And, uh, you know, by the time I got to 35, you know, drinking didn't work anymore. You know, I was depressed, suicidal, you know, and uh, I just didn't want to live. I didn't know how to be a dad. And, um, you know, I walked into a 12 step program and, uh, you know, and I asked for help. And, it, and it's awesome because the same guy that asked for help goes to the church today. His name is CJ. And uh, he's just has grown my relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. So you got saved. We baptized you last year, right? Or was it the year before? Last year. Right here at Freedom Valley. And then two weeks ago, something else happened. Walk us through what that experience was like. Well, I was, uh, you know, the Lord put on my heart you know, to pray for him more and to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I kept praying and praying and and nothing was happening. And Candace had preached that week about, you know, baptizing people and in the pools, like, you know, baptizing, getting baptized with the Holy Spirit at home. And I reached out to her and I told her how I wanted wanted it. And uh, she invited me to come to church. And I was like, well, there isn't church. And she's like, well, I make exceptions. And, uh, I came in, and uh, that Saturday, right before church, like I was praying, you know, and I'm just like in his presence, and I just hear him telling me, receive me, receive me, you know, and I get up Sunday morning, and I'm, I'm driving there, you know, with my daughter, and I just hear this voice in my head, like, go home, like, it's not going to happen, like, you, you're going to make a fool of yourself, and I'm just like pushing through, I want this, and uh, I get to church, and um you know, Candace and Jason, Tom, Aaron, they all lay hands on me. And, uh, you know, the same thing Christ was telling me, Tom says to me, just receive them. And then Candace told me to put my hands up and start praising them. And as soon, as soon as I did, it was just like this jolt in my chest. And I just started speaking in tongues and it's overwhelming. Just the same feeling I have now, like of love and peace and joy, you know, overwhelmed me. Yeah, that's awesome. I love watching somebody get baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. And yours happened incredibly quickly. (laughs) I think you fully understood it. You were ready and and you just received it, which is absolutely amazing. So what's happened since then? It's been two weeks, right? Baptized in the Holy Spirit. What's happened since? Well, it was awesome because you even talked about it, that service, you know, and you talked about how when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, like how your hunger for Christ grows more. And I, I thought that, like, I'd just be perfect. Like, I'd just start walking on water and parting the sea, and I wouldn't <laughs> sin anymore. And yeah. that wasn't the case. But it was, like, 
a hunger and overwhelming urge to learn him more, to seek his face, to seek his word, you know, and to speak to people, you know, and me and another group of people in church started going around in New Oxford and praying for people. I was praying for people at work and uh, I was able to um, talk to a guy after a meeting and, uh, you know, we were talking just a real conversation and, um, you know, I asked him, what do you think about God? And he's like, well, I'm open to it. You know, so we kept on talking and we got done talking and uh, I was like, well, how would you like to receive him? How would you like to accept him? And he's like, well, I don't know how to do it. And I was like, well, I do. And uh, you just repeat after me and he was able to accept Christ. And, uh, you know, I got his number and we talked last night. And, you know, it's just awesome to be able to be used. Yeah. That's so awesome. Baptized in the Holy Spirit two weeks ago. Led someone to Christ this week. If there's one thing you could encourage our church with through your story, what would that be? Just to seek his face. You know, um, just the song that we just sung, that, that I want him. But what's even better is he just wants me even more. Mm-hmm. He loves me and there's nothing that I can do that will turn him away from me that he just wants me so much he's a father and he's so good and uh it's just awesome to be able to up here to to testify for his truth so good so good thank you so much for sharing your story i just want to pray over us as a church as we're being encouraged by these stories, I want the Holy Spirit to fall. Now, I get to hear stories of your growth in Christ and the way that you're challenging yourselves, but you all don't get to hear them nearly as much. And so I want to share them with you, but I want more of them happening. So let's pray. Father, again, Holy Spirit, just fall on us. Uh, Each Holy Spirit baptism is unique to the person, and it doesn't have to be here in this building. But Father, I just pray for Holy Spirit experiences everywhere, that we would be open and receptive to it, that we would be hungry for uh, information about it, that we would not only, that it wouldn't only be a head thing, but a real deep heart thing. That you would just fall into homes right now and into bedrooms and kitchens and living rooms right now. That everyone hearing my voice right now would experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That they would feel the empowerment to, to be a witness in their world. The, the peace and the hope, the joy, the love that comes with that. Father, we pray for more of it. More backyard baptisms, more Holy Spirit baptisms, more conversions to Christ and to freedom. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.